0: The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church pulpit series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. It's funny, I don't often use titles, so when I, uh, I hear Reverend Doctor... Uh, I was at a petrol station a while ago. I'd gone in, filled the car up with petrol, only to discover I didn't have my wallet. So I filled out a form and there was a, uh, it said title and there was a thing for doctors. So I checked doctor. And the gentleman looked at me and said, Are you a doctor? And I said, Well, of sorts. I said, I have a, a PhD, but it's a research degree. He said, oh, Okay. He said, What's your area of specialty? I said, Greco Roman backgrounds to the New Testament. And this guy stopped and he paused and he said, I've got this twitch in my eye. What do you? <laughs> I said, oh, it could be stress related. Maybe you haven't had enough sleep. Yeah, go, uh, go see your GP and get a second opinion. So uh, there we go. If you've got your Bible open or I encourage you to get your Bible and open it up, Psalm 32 will be God's word for us this morning. So Psalm 32, this is a song of David. And just by way of background, as we come to listen to what God has to say to us, uh, this is a song David penned shortly after he confessed his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. And it's in that context that this man says these words. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Don't be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds those who trust in him. Rejoice in the Lord. And be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father, as we come this morning to your word, I pray that you might engage our hearts, that we would leave this place not just being smart as sinners, but people transformed by your spirit to live for the glory of Christ. For we ask this for his reputation. Amen. In 1988, I saved up enough money to buy a music album that I had my heart set on. It was the best hits of 1988, 100 of them. Names like Depeche Mode, Duran Duran, and for the edgier folk, Twisted Sister. And here's the thing, I bought this, this, it was actually cassette tapes back in those days, and it was a collection of these cassette tapes offering the very best music of 1988. I got home and I put it in the the tape uh, player and I started playing it only to discover that it didn't quite sound like Duran Duran. Depeche Mode did not sound like they did on the radio. And then I looked on the front cover and in writing that was as small as you could make out, it said the best hits of 1988 performed by the Miami Orchestral Orchestra of Light. I felt so deceived. I felt that I'd been ripped off. Part of me wanted to take the cassette tapes back and ask for my well-earned pocket money back. Deceived. The Bible says in Jeremiah that each of us have hearts that are utterly deceived. We deceive ourselves. It's not just an external deception, but there is an internal deception in each one of us in this room that we don't think correctly about ourselves. Now, there are two ways that this normally plays out. Often our hearts can deceive us, particularly when it comes to sin and offending God. There's error number one would be we think too highly of ourselves. We think that we are better than other people. So we might say, well, I know I make mistakes, but I'm certainly not as bad as that person down the road. And our hearts can deceive us to thinking that we're better than ourselves. But the reality is that we deceive ourselves at that point. A second error of deception is the deception that some of us in this room feel that we are so ridden by sin that there is no way God could love or forgive us. We think I've got a past, I've done things that nobody knows about or maybe people do know about and there is just no way I can be forgiven. I am far too guilty. The errors of our heart, we either think too highly or too lowly about ourselves when it comes to sin. And if we are going to live the way that God wants us to live, we need to come into a biblical and a godly understanding of how we stand before God. And that relates to the biblical teaching of forgiveness. And that's where we turn our attention to Psalm 32 this morning. Because in Psalm 32, the psalmist, David, this man who's recently committed adultery and confessed his sins, is going to point us to a God who wants to forgive us and who is gracious to forgive us. And is going to give us a clear understanding on what forgiveness is and how we should respond. So you got your Bibles open. We're just going to make our way through. This was originally a song, Psalm 32. If you don't know, the whole Psalms, this was the Jewish uh, songbook of Jesus' day. When they would come to church, this is what they would sing. These were the words that Jesus would sing. Okay, These are the words that the apostles would sing, the early church would sing. But it's interesting when you look at the Psalms, you have Psalm 1 that starts, starts off with the blessed person. You get to Psalm 150, and it's that psalm of everything that has breath, praise the Lord. But between Psalm 1 and Psalm 150, you have every high and low of life. And it's just like listening to the radio. Every now and then I'll turn on the radio, and my kids, uh, they get really embarrassed by this. But sometimes I'll i will turn on the radio, I'll play some music, and I'll play Lionel Richie. And I'll look at my wife and I'll say, you're once, you're twice, you're three times a lady. And here's the thing. There are some songs that, I don't know Lionel Richie, I don't know the background, but there are some songs that are designed to be sung by everybody. You can change stations and maybe you'll hear some doof-doof, you know, music. Uh, Maybe you'll go and unfortunately click on the country music station, you know, and a guy's lost his car, his, you know, dogs run away. Okay, but there are different songs for different seasons of life. And the song that this season has Psalm 32 is one of forgiveness. It's a psalm where somebody's messed up, a psalm where somebody's done something wrong and they know they've offended God. And David writes this not as a man in a lofty position, but as a person recently having committed adultery. And notice what, first of all, he says about his forgiveness. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, and blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in his spirit is no deceit. The first thing I observe in this passage is that there is joy when you know you are forgiven. There is great joy when you know you are forgiven. He starts off by saying blessed. That's not a word we use terribly much in our day, but the idea behind this word is the idea of In a position of fortune, in a joyous and secure position is this person. The person here David is referring to is himself. But he says, this is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Now, this word, the idea of transgressions is the idea of of simply missing the mark. Okay, it's the idea of doing something that you know you should do, but you don't and it is wrong. And likewise, whose sins are covered. He's going to use two different words here. One has the idea of willfully disobeying God. The other one is you just don't do what you ought to do. And yet both of these are sins. Both of these are offenses against God. And yet David says you can be in a position of joy, a position of security, a position where you can rejoice, we'll see at the end of the verse. And that is because you stand knowing that you are forgiven. Now, friends, this is a great thing, isn't it, to know that you're forgiven? Imagine I went around and I got a a little card this morning, and I'm not going to do this, but let's say I had a little card and I gave each one to you and said, I want you to write down on this card the worst thing in life you've either done or you've thought of doing. And I would say, just be honest, before God, write down that worst thing. It might be that before Christ you lived a sexually immoral lifestyle. Maybe in your background there's violence. Maybe you would write down on that card abortion. Maybe stealing, disobedient to parents, dishonesty. And let's say I then collected all of these cards and I began to read them out. John, adulterer. Susan. Abortion. Somebody else, this or that. Can you imagine the shame that you would feel? David has committed adultery. He's been responsible for the death of Uriah the Hittite. He's got blood on his hands. How can this man say, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven? It's because he's found in God one who is gracious and kind and able to forgive him. In David's day, one of the practices in God's grace that he gave the Old Testament people was that he gave them a day which they call a day of atonement. And this day is still a national holiday, Yom Kippur, uh, over in Israel. And this particular day, what the priest would do, according to Leviticus, the priest realized, as the people did, they had offended God, whether intentionally raising their fist and doing their own thing or unintentionally. So once a year, according to the book of Leviticus, the priest would bring two goats into the temple. And after the priest would make a sacrifice for himself, you know what he would do? He would then take one of the goats. These goats, by the way, had done nothing wrong. They were just goats. (laughs) But he would take a goat and he would put his hand on its head. And that was to demonstrate that the priest, as a representative of God's people, was saying, we are guilty. We have done the wrong thing and we are transferring our guilt onto this animal that has done no wrong. And you know what? The, the priest, this was a bloody business. He'd be there in his beautiful robes. He'd be washed and clean and he'd slit the jugular and their blood would spurt into his beard and his clothes. And he knew the devastating cost of sin. But that was a symbol to demonstrate we the guilty have transferred our guilt onto this animal. They would then take the second goat down the Kidron Valley up over the Mount of Olives out to the Judean Wilderness. And as they would take it to Judean wilderness, I've been there many times, there's nothing in the Judean wilderness. And they would release that second goat. Now, if you were that goat, what would you do? You wouldn't be heading back to Jerusalem, right? That goat would disappear, never to be found again. And it was to symbolize God has done away with your sin, and now it will be remembered no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far your transgressions will be removed, Now we know from reading the scriptures, that is just a picture. That is just a sketch of a greater reality. When one day the Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who it says in the New Testament, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. John looked at him and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Your sin and your shame are laid upon Jesus who has done no wrong. And because of that, Paul can say in Romans, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And that's why I love the old, there's an old hymn, um, and and part of it says this, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And the wonder of the gospel the joy that you can know today is those cards have all been nailed to the cross. You bear them no more. I don't know what would be on your card. Even since you worshipped here last week, there have been things that you've you've seen that you maybe shouldn't have seen. There's words that have come out that you shouldn't have come uh, that shouldn't have come out. But the scripture would say today you can be forgiven. There is joy knowing that you stand forgiven. And we get this reminder most weeks when we take the bread, we take the wine. We come with empty hands. We come with guilty hands. But the marvel is Christ has forgiven us. There is blessedness knowing that you stand forgiven. But you'll notice he goes on in verses 3 to 6 and he'll show what the opposite is. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night, your hands were heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer heat. He's saying here, don't believe the lie. He says, when you deceive yourself and think, well, my sin's not that bad. Or you go the other way and say, I'm too bad. And you hold on to your sin and you don't confess your sin. What happens? He's downcast. There's pain in his heart. But you'll notice he said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of your sin. Friends, there is great joy knowing that you can be forgiven. And when you compare it against your past, when you remember your previous brokenness, that should accentuate the joy that you find in Christ. I fear for many of us who have known Christ a long time, perhaps we downplay sin's effect on our life. We minimize it, we deceive our souls. Oh, that's not, that's not that bad. Or we go to the other extent saying, no, it's too bad. The gospel reminds us, don't lay in your sin. Don't come with, you might come today here with a heavy heart. Don't leave with a heavy heart. Right. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, don't be deceived by sin. Also, as we come to this song, not only do we see that there is a joy knowing that you stand forgiven, not only is that joy accentuated when you remember your past, but the joy also points us to this God who is gracious. Look at verse six. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. Here, David has this great, Reflection. He stops, he pauses, and he realizes, you know what? God has been gracious to us. God's character is kind and loving. He will not turn away his children. You know, I've got three children, uh, two girls and a boy. And it goes girl, boy, girl. And my son, I remember a few years ago, Adam, uh, his name is, he's 12 now. But a few years ago, I remember every day, having to say things like this. He loves to beat up his older sister, loves to beat up his younger sister. And I was saying, listen, I'm trying to work with him as a young man. And I say, mate, you can't do that. You've got to learn to control your your temper. And we're working through this. And one day I came home and there he was wielding a lightsaber. Okay, not a real one, but a, a, a plastic lightsaber. And he's whacking both of his sisters. And I said, son, you're not a Jedi. And I said, mate, you can't do that. And I remember he started crying. And he said, Dad, you don't love me anymore. And it was just, ter- you know, tore my heart apart. I said, my son, you're my child. I love you. You've done the wrong thing. But listen, you can be forgiven. Make a new start. You'll, you'll never cease to be my child by what you've done or what you've even done in the past. And you might be here today and you've got some shameful element in your past and it it rids you with guilt. Friends, you have a father who is gracious, a God who is kind, a God who says, that's my son, that's my daughter. And as we heard this morning from Revelation, though the accuser of the brothers comes and he makes accusations. We read in Romans 8, who will bring a charge against God's elect? And the answer is no one. Why? Because we have an advocate before the Father. We have a representative who stands in a place and says, my daughter, she's not guilty. My son, not guilty. Why? Because Jesus has paid the penalty for their transgressions. Blessed is the one who knows they have been forgiven. There is joy knowing that you stand forgiven. There is joy that is accentuated when you remember your past. But this joy of forgiveness points to a gracious God. Some of you know the the history and the background behind the song by John Newton, Amazing Grace. And you know that he was a slave trader. He had a filthy mouth. He was very much a sailor's mouth. He was involved in all sorts of sexual immorality, both with uh, people and also the slaves that he was overseeing in a terribly wicked lifestyle. And we know that after a period of time, he came to Christ. And he would later write this song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. And it was just a year or two ago, I was reading a biography. And I was surprised to find out that he wrote that song soon after his conversion. But it would be years and years later, for about five years after his initial conversion to Christ, that he continued to sleep with people he wasn't married to. He continued to have a filthy mouth. He continued even for a little while in the slave industry after his conversion to Christ. But he understood as life went and he started to mature in Christ that God and God started to change him. He came towards the end of his life and somebody said, what have you learnt in life? And he he said this, he says, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. Friends, you might be struggling when you first come to Christ. It's not all that your problems change immediately. There is room for growth. You are going to make mistakes. But this text reminds us there is a good and a gracious God who will forgive you. So, what should be our response? Look at verse 11. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous sing, all you who are upright in heart. Now, how, let me ask you this how can you go from having committed adultery, being responsible, and you got blood on your hands from somebody's murder, and yet you can get to the position where you can talk about the joy of being forgiven and you can encourage God's people? Sing, respond in joy, be glad. How can you do that? It is all through grace. This is not you clean up yourself. This is not you put things together. This is the wonder of the good news message of Jesus Christ is that you don't come to him and fix yourself up. You come to God the Father and you graciously or rather you contritely acknowledge your sins, your failings, your shortcomings. And he forgives you because of Christ. Your heart will deceive you and say you don't need to confess. You're better than that other person. Your heart will can will deceive you and it'll say, You're you've done too many wrong things. You've got too many cards. But the good news message is you can be forgiven. Do not be deceived. Now, this morning I, I've got a little confession that I need to to make. You see, as I got ready this morning for church, I thought, you know, I'm going to a church. I don't know these people. But uh, I thought I'm going to wear my best today, (laughs) but I hadn't done the washing, so I figured maybe not. But here's the thing, all of us here in this room, when we come before God, this is what we look like. We've got nothing before we come to Christ. We come guilty, shabby, guilty, and here's the wonder of the good news. God the Father in the fullness of time sent his son Jesus. And he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can now have a good relationship with God, no matter what is written on your card. And today I want to remind you, if you're here today and you've not received this forgiveness that's found in God, today is your day. This is good news This is great news. You can stand before God confident that you are right with him. You can do what exactly it says here. You can rejoice. Why? Not because of the the fact that you've been to church a bit or, or that you've maybe been baptized or you've given money or you're a good person, but you can stand here today and rejoice because God forgives you because he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And the wonder of the gospel is this. We have the righteousness of Christ that we have been clothed with. So God takes our, our failings and he says, look, look at what I did through my son, Jesus. And now we are clothed in righteous garments. And God looks at us and he delights. There's my son. There's my daughter. Not because of our own efforts, it says in Titus, but according to his mercy that he has saved us. Friends, I come here today as one person has said, I'm just one beggar telling other beggars where to get food. Friends, this is a great message of joy that I can stand here today not because of my goodness. I've got lots of cards but fortunately they've been nailed to the cross and I bear them no more. And if you're a Christian here today and maybe even this week you've failed through what you've said or done or maybe through what you haven't done, I want to assure you today that you can confess your sins as well and you'll find a gracious God Who will lovingly say to you, Child, I love you. I love you. Here's a fresh start. Walk with me. Isn't it a joy to know that your salvation, your relationship with God, does not depend on you, but depends on Him? Amen. Amen. May God bless this word to our heart. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this word of truth, this word that says that we can be forgiven. We thank you that there is joy knowing that we stand forgiven, not because of our own works but because of the Lamb of God who was slain for us. We thank you that when we remember our past and we remember holding on to our sin, that that was met with nothing but despair, but through your mercy in sending Christ, you show us your grace. And I pray that we would respond to that as we rejoice, as we live lives that are thankful, as we live lives that point people to the fact that even broken people can be forgiven by God. I pray that we would live in such a way that people would be drawn to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for we pray this in his name. Amen.